Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. So the drop-dead Brexit deadline is supposed to be next week. And uh, when I say supposed to be, I mean it's because it looks like it's been delayed again. Suggesting that Boris Johnson's drive to crash out of the EU quickly has failed, and no one can predict what's going to happen in the coming months. Welcome to more Brexit uncertainty this week on Worldly, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Zach Beecham, here after a brief absence with Alex Ward. Jen Williams is out today, but we do have Jen Kirby, who I can actually call Jen this time. Hey, Zach. Nice to be Jen again. <laughs> so uh, I'm gone for a little bit. We've been doing these progressive foreign policy interviews. Uh, we're going to keep doing those. Uh, but right now we wanted to jump back into the news for a week and talk about, well, Brexit in Omni Shambles yet again. Jen, why don't you start us off with what's happened to bring us to another seemingly decisive and then moving away from the brink point? Basically, we should start that Boris Johnson, as prime minister, vowed that he would take the UK out of the European Union on October 31st, do or die. And his goal was to renegotiate the Brexit deal or crash out. And most people didn't think he would be able to renegotiate this deal for complicated reasons, but he did. Uh, Last week, not even quite a week ago, he came back with a revised Brexit deal. It was pretty much the same as Theresa May's, but it had a big change to what we've discussed here on the show called the Irish backstop. It changed up the arrangements essentially for Northern Ireland, and suddenly it looked like it might be acceptable to Parliament. And that's because the backstop wouldn't, which would uh, keep EU regulations in place for Britain, would now only apply to Northern Ireland, but not the rest of Great Britain, correct? Yes, that's technically correct. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm glad to be technically correct, as always. <laughs> I am never wrong. Um, so this was uh, this seemed like a game changer to some people, right? Because the whole fear about the backstop was that Britain would not be able to get out of the EU at all. But then it seems like there were there were two votes this week, and it seems like they derailed even this new updated deal. Yeah. So basically, on Saturday was supposed to be this do or die moment for Brexit deal, but there were some parliamentary shenanigans, which basically oh, shenanigans. Yes, we always have shenanigans with Brexit. The short story is that they forced Johnson to go seek a deal pretty much no matter what and said, we're actually not going to vote on the deal. We want to vote on this legislation for Brexit, which is essentially like any treaty, which is what the Brexit deal is. You have to put it into domestic law. So technically, there are two steps. One was approving the deal and the second was the legislation. Parliament said, actually, we want to do the legislation first. So that's what Parliament was supposed to deal with this week. Um, But then there were more parliamentary shenanigans. Wait, so I just want to be sure about something. So first there was like a vote on whether to put Brexit into law, and then they were going to vote on the actual Brexit deal itself. No, first they were going to vote on the Brexit deal, and then Parliament said, no, 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 we're not going to even approve the deal until the legislation passes. Super fun. This, to me, just seems like a complete weird process, right? Where, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seems like no one really wants to vote on Brexit itself, at least right now, but they're sort of letting things move forward because not doing so would be bad. 
Well, the theory of the case went for the people who supported this parliamentary maneuver was that this is pretty consequential legislation. This is the changing UK law so that the UK can end a decades-long relationship with the EU and having less than two weeks to scrutinize it might not be the best idea. So the idea was, listen, we generally support the bill or we're open to supporting your Brexit deal, but first we want to see what the legislation looks like. And look, it might take us some time. Maybe we want to make some amendments or tweaks. So let's just ask the EU for an extension so we can debate it properly. And that was kind of Parliament's argument. It was basically like, we're not saying yes or no on the deal. We just want to take some time to look it over and maybe talk about it a bit. Okay, so the issue was time more than anything. Yeah, one thing I saw a lot from uh, pro-Remain people this week were memes about how long the stuff was taking, right? Or rather the opposite of that, how little time they had to scrutinize such an important deal. And this is like a centerpiece of the argument against allowing the deal to go through so quickly and for at least a short-term extension of the deal. Gotcha. So this is all parliamentary nonsense, shenanigans, shenaniganry, whatever word you want to use. I liked Jen's shenanigans, the original version. But the point, the takeaway, is that Johnson is trying to get out on October 31st, but it seems unlikely, given the failure of one of these votes this week, that he will be able to legally hit the deadline. And so if you can't, under UK law, hit the deadline, then you need to ask for an extension from the European Union again, which Johnson has already done, to be clear. He's, he's in fact, sent two letters asking for extensions. And he's not a fan of extending, right? He's been pretty clear, like, I want out by October 31st. I want to be able to eat Halloween candy and celebrate Brexit at the same time. Yeah, I guess there's Halloween in Britain. Yeah, so Johnson would like to eat his Halloween Brexit candy, but unfortunately, right now, everything is up in the air, and it's not clear when or even if the UK will leave the European Union. So after the break, we're going to talk about the different possibilities, recognizing that we have no idea what's actually going to happen. And there's just a few possibilities. And we may not, in fact, most people cannot predict which one of them is going to be most likely. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, 
a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our lovely advertisements. Um, We are still talking about Brexit, which is a giant advertisement for not leaving the European Union, given the mess that it's gotten Britain into. But we want to talk a little bit about what might happen now that Boris Johnson's October 31st spooky Brexit is uh, less likely than previously thought. So the first possibility is, is, I, I don't know, we continue down this Schrodinger's Brexit where we're, the Britain's out of the EU, but not out of the EU at the same time for, for a long period of time. How, how would that work? Yeah, I think there's a sense that as much as Boris Johnson has tried to take the UK out of the EU and has in many ways gotten farther than his predecessor, Theresa May, that the complications of Brexit, the divisions that it's caused in the body politic— are just so impossible and that we could be on the similar path where the UK asks for an extension, it gets one, but still can't just close the deal and get out. And Johnson right now doesn't have a parliamentary majority, which in normal normal circumstances would mean his government would fall and there would be election. But right now the parties are at lockstep and we might just sort of be stuck in this weird, bizarre Nothing doing, but yet a lot of action and chaos every day. So is the implication of that Brexit forever? Like, just constantly always being on the precipice of Brexit but never really getting anywhere? Is that— Yeah, so my read is is that's what some people are worried about, not in permanence. Right. Right, like it's not—that can't go on forever. It literally cannot. Right, Eventually, right, right, right. someone will get fed up yeah. and change it. But for the foreseeable future, you may have the situation where, as, as Jen was describing, British politics are so— polarized along leave-and-remain lines, which is increasingly the dividing line in British politics. Now, it definitely is and is supplanting some traditional partisan divides, may make it very difficult to get much done on either side. So it's basically Groundhog Day for, for a bit. Well, that's what it's felt like for the past year, right? <laughs> no, for sure. But like that, so that, so that sort of scenario one is like, we still do, we're still here. Right. Okay. Yeah, we're here for a bit. Okay. So then scenario two I heard was an extension and then something about Brexit maybe passing? I mean, I think that we, as we've sort of talked, even though Johnson's kind of stuck with the same divisions that Theresa May was stuck with, he, again, has gotten farther um, in getting Brexit done. And the parliament, at least for now, has it's definitely showed that it's open to Johnson's deal. So it's possible that the EU, which hasn't officially decided on whether to grant the extension or not, but seems pretty likely that it will happen, will give the UK an extension. Maybe it'll be a flexible one where as soon as the Brexit deal passes, the UK can get out when it's all complete. And maybe we just push Brexit a couple weeks and then we exit um, on whatever date that might be. And the divorce is finalized, but then comes the even more difficult and extraordinarily hard part of figuring out the future relationship between the UK and the EU, which is why anyone who says, let's just get Brexit done, is essentially lying because Brexit will never end. (laughs) This is a really important point, right? Because the thorniest issues in Brexit, the nature of the UK's trading relationship with the European Union, as well as the degree to which EU immigration rules apply to British law, have not been worked out in any of these Brexit deals, quote-unquote, that have been discussed so far. None of them have finalized those issues, right? And those were were the sort of real tension points 
in the fight over Brexit beforehand. So they get out and the rules stop applying and there's some kind of interim arrangement. But even if the UK does manage to leave soon, then they have to work out the really, really hard stuff as if this has not been difficult enough already. Which blows my mind because that means all of this stuff we've been talking about forever on this show and like all this complication, all this madness, this is like step one, really, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Which is like crazy because then, (laughs) because man, if this was step one, step two is just going to be absolutely bonkers as as we kind of discussed. Like I I can't imagine going first being like, okay, do we divorce? And then, oh, let's decide, let's divvy up all of our household items. Like that is obviously the harder part. And we haven't even gotten to the household items. It's just, do I leave the house? So of course the question though is whether, to run with Alex's analogy, whether they're actually going to get divorced or whether they're just separated right now, right? And so there's still a major faction of Remainers, mostly concentrated, but not exclusively, in the Labour and Liberal Democratic parties, which are currently the opposite in the UK. And they want to stop Brexit, This uh, the large Remain faction. And then there's some questions surrounding whether these people could get their way via some kind of election. And we do think that there will be an election of some sort, in some kind, relating to Parliament soon, Ish, maybe. But the problem is uh, there are a lot of different reasons why, one, an election is related to the length and nature of the extension if it does in fact happen. And two, what is making this one not happen immediately? Why isn't Boris Johnson just going to a vote to basically try to win more support in parliament for his Brexit deal? Ultimately, that's what Boris Johnson would like to do right now. Um, If you look at the polls coming out of the UK about sort of the political situation, the Conservative Party with Boris Johnson at the helm is looking really, really good if it's going to have an election anytime soon, which is kind of confusing, right? Because the country's really divided between remain and leave, and obviously the Tories are the leave party, so you'd think it would be a little bit closer. But because of all kinds of weird things with British politics, like actually down to the constituency level, right now the conservatives look like they're doing pretty well. So the problem is the opposition, particularly those who are on the sympathetic to remain, are actually afraid that this would give Johnson a huge mandate. And then rather than the limbo, which at least prolongs the Brexit for now, would eventually be wiped away if Johnson comes into power and the opposition will have even less say in negotiating, you know, the post-divorce relationship, so to speak. So another election would effectively be kind of another Brexit referendum, right? I mean, if it's to give Johnson a bigger mandate for Brexit, then that's kind of like voting for Brexit now or more nonsense down the line. Yes. It's also even more complicated because Labour, which is the primary opposition party, has had a pretty muddled message on Brexit. Uh, The Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, himself is a Eurosceptic, and he's kind of apart from a lot of the, you know, other members of his party who really want him to come out front and support, say, a second referendum, which would potentially give the UK another vote on whether to leave or remain or take Johnson's deal and remain Um, And then you have the Lib Dems who are staunchly pro-Remain and are gaining a lot of support because of that, but don't quite have the numbers to, say, challenge the Tories and also aren't natural allies with the Labour Party. And so it makes it difficult to, say, form some sort of political alliance to take on the Conservatives. So it's just really, really messy right now. And as Zach was saying before, people are divided on leave and remain, which don't fit into the typical party 
loyalties that exist in Britain. Um, and I guess politics hasn't quite caught up to that yet. And how bad are the politics that, like, on one side you basically have Brexit now, and on the other side you have prolong the madness? Like, those are the choices. Yeah, although not prolong, right? They want they want to end Brexit. They want to reverse it. Right. right. And, and so the, the tactic right now would be keep the extensions going until we can figure out some way to stop Brexit. Uh, which they just, since they don't have the premiership, they can't stop Brexit. And more to the point, even if the opposition were to win the premiership, it's not clear what Jeremy Corbyn would do as prime minister on this issue, right? Sometimes it sounds like he's in favor of a second referendum and his hardcore supporters in labor insist that he is. But then sometimes it, you know, the fact that he has opposed the European Union for decades now comes out in the way that he talks and is expressed in the way that he doesn't really push hard for what Remain campaigners want and why so many who want to stay in the European Union just don't trust him and why it would be difficult for the Lib Dems, whose entire policy platform at this point is we're going to stay and we're the clear Remain party, is doing better but still has issues aligning themselves with labor because they don't trust the leadership. There were, there were negotiations a little bit ago about some kind of joint anti-Brexit front and they were hung up on the fact that if they could seize control of parliament— does Jeremy Corbyn get to be prime minister or not? And it was just this whole mess of a negotiation, which which to me would suggest that if I were Johnson, I'd want to call elections like right away. But he's not doing that. Well, he wants to do it, but <laughs> right now the parliament, like labor is basically abstaining from the vote, so he doesn't have the votes to do it. That may change. Um, one of the sort of maneuvers that the opposition wanted to do was force Johnson to ask for the extension and have one, which might damage him politically because... There's another party called the Brexit Party, which is uh, run by the former UKIP um, leader, uh, Nigel Farage. And their goal is like, we want to get out at all costs. We actually want a no deal because it's the only way to cast off the ropes of the overbearing EU. And so Johnson could face challenges from there. And so basically, Labour kind of wants to wait this out and either hope that Boris Johnson starts to look a little bit more vulnerable with the electorate. Right now, that's not happening, but maybe if there's more limbo and delays, that could potentially happen. So my very sophisticated analyst take from all this conversation is, I believe the technical term is, things are bad <laughs> in Britain. This just seems like a complete mess. And it's every time we talk about Brexit, I get more depressed because you'd think at least at some point there'd be a breakthrough. And yet it always seems like we're spiraling downward. I saw a comment from a centrist British writer recently who was tasked by the Washington Post with contributing like a bird's eye view from, you know, what it's like from England, but explained to foreigners kind of way. And he wrote on Twitter something like, it takes explaining this to an outsider and stepping back to see what madness Brexit has become. And, and hopefully that's what we've done on the show today is given you a sense of, of just how little sense this makes at this point and how, why it's so difficult for anyone to figure out a way out. On that note, I want to thank Jen Kirby for stopping in and giving us her Brexit-reported insight as usual. Uh, and I want to thank our producer, Bird Pinkerton, who, uh, it, you know, it's, it's painful for me to say, but this is going to be her last episode as our regular producer. Bird is moving on to working on other narrative podcasts for Vox, which is Future Perfect and The Impact, which you should check out, uh, but has been our, uh, our guide through podcasting for a lot of this process and, and the production of this show. So I want to give Bird a chance to, to say something to you guys uh, before she departs into narrative world. Ah. 
Spooky surprise. Um, yeah, you know, I have loved working on Worldly. I'm really excited to listen to everything that you guys make going forward. Next week, I will be tuning in and rate, subscribe, review Worldly wherever you get your fine podcasts. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.